This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to the letter from the bureau. This is a part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel, which we've been refreshing with new content. I'm your host, ST's foreign editor, Bhagyashri Karika. Now, the letter from the bureau is meant to be a detour. a scenic detour from the raging news of the day we like to talk about life as it goes on amid crises and the headlines of the day i chat each month with one of our 30 correspondents who are spread out in 15 cities across the asia pacific the united states and europe and they share with you their insights on interesting trends or events that are happening in their countries in our third episode we are speaking to the straits times philippines correspondent raul dancel who's based in manila Good to have you on the show, Raul. Uh, good to be here, Bagya. We have a grim topic to tackle today: the worsening of mental health amid the COVID crisis. The headline of your recent column captures it well. It says an epidemic of despair as crippling as COVID. Now you've written about how it's hit your family and your neighbors. When did you first begin noticing the signs of stress, Raul? Uh, you're right, Bagya. No. probably began during our first hard lockdown in March last year. You know, everything was shut down and there was so much uncertainty. Everyone was told to stay home. People were worrying about their jobs or if they'll still be paid at the end of each month. And then you have the virus spreading and you somehow have this sense that the government isn't on top of things, that there's not enough tests, contact tracing, isolation and hospital beds. Then again in March and April this year it peaked. We had another deadly surge and it was so much worse. It felt like if you got the virus, it was like a death sentence. You know, hospital beds, ventilators, and medicines ran out. The very sick were dying inside their cars at hospital walkways and makeshift tents at hospitals. People were desperately shuttling from one hospital to another. Sometimes five to ten hospitals in one night. Often in hospitals hundreds of kilometers from Manila. Just the, they're just desperately looking for a bed and some help. And it didn't help that you had money. You still could end up dead. Wow, that sounds really, really tough. And perhaps uh, it's easier not to understand uh, why you talk about a despair that's as bleak as, uh, you know, the coronavirus itself. Are you able to give us, you know, an idea of how widespread this problem is and what forms does it take? Is it mainly depression? Is it anxiety? Is it fatigue? What, what do you see there, Raul? Yes, it's depression, it's anxiety, it's fatigue, it's all that. But most are experiencing what mental health professionals uh, call uh, languishing. You know, that sense of stagnation and emptiness, a feeling that uh, you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. I mean, you lose track of the day because you're working from home and you get this sense that things are not going to go back to the way they were anytime soon. But then the numbers bear this out, no? Filipinos rate their current mental health at 6.5 on a scale of 1 to 10. One in two said they are always worried or anxious. And one in three said they are either depressed or they felt empty. COVID-19 was the single biggest reason for their anxieties. Four in five are terrified that they might get infected and either suffer financial ruin or die. People here are fretting over money, personal issues, work performance. One in three felt he or she had lost about two hours of productive time. And one in five uh, is ready to quit work rather than suffer a breakdown. Uh, and, and we have numbers here from our own Mental Health Institute. Last year, they were fielding about uh, 53 suicide-related calls a month. 
And then the call spike uh, during the March to August period last year when there was a sweeping lockdown. By the end of last year, uh, they were tallying 3,529 deaths by suicide, which was uh, 25% higher than the number recorded in 2019 and the highest in 14 years. Calls seeking help this year have so far doubled last year's number. So the highest in 14 years, you say, Raul, the the suicides, those are really grim stats. Do you think Philippines is actually hurt or hit more acutely than other countries in the region? Yeah, I believe so, because the pandemic is dismantling uh, traditional support systems that uh, we Filipinos rely on. Uh, As you know, we are a Catholic majority nation. People here are very devout Catholics, but churches are effectively closed and, and religious festivals have been scrapped. Religion plays a key part in shoring up uh, people's faith and hope here. You know, with religion, they can always expect that this will be over soon and that a brighter future awaits and that everything that we're experiencing is just a trial from God that we must overcome to come out stronger. But like I said, you know, churches are closed. There's nowhere you you, you can uh, go to for such a source of hope. And also schools have also been closed for more than a year already. Children and teens have been cooped up inside their homes. They're wasting their days watching YouTube videos and playing video games. They miss their friends. They miss the social interactions. Yeah, that's really a pretty bleak picture. And like you say, you know, religion, which plays a stabilizing sort of influence in society in in times of crisis, is somehow shut out. I completely get that. Uh, And like you say, the schools too, which makes the children uh, also vulnerable. Uh, But which other groups would you say are particularly vulnerable at this time? And you mentioned, uh, you know, the fear of job loss, the fear of ending the month without a paycheck earlier. Do you think that financial hardship itself is a pretty big trigger, you know, in mental health crises? Yeah, uh, to answer your first question, I think the ones who are hit hit hardest are those who are uh, still trying to carve out a place for themselves in life. You know, they are from 18 to 25 years old. Uh, Usually they're single. Uh, Usually they're working on the night shift full time and those in the LGBTQ community as well. And and you're right, money is an important factor uh, because uh, these are the segments of the population who are just starting out in life. So any financial setback will hit especially hard. In my piece, I wrote about a fellow reporter who, who said in her column that she found herself one day just having brief bouts of unexplained weeping while taking a bath or just sitting on the couch and uh, working on her online scrabble. And it has been especially difficult also for those who had mental problems even before the pandemic hit. I also wrote about a 30-year-old writer who has bipolar disorder and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder who had to quit his full-time job and move back in with his parents. Right. And I recall you wrote about someone who had a hard time while doing laundry and, you know, couldn't explain why she suddenly felt so weepy. Yeah, that was the reporter I was talking about. Uh, uh, she, she was a friend and she just wrote that for reasons she couldn't explain. She just cried. She was doing her laundry. So that pretty much sums up the state of mental health among many Filipinos right now. Right. I hope that she's better now. Now, if you like the letter from the Bureau so far, please subscribe to the Asian Insider podcast channel on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify. Like us and give us a rating. And now back to Raul Dancel and our conversation about the toll that the pandemic is exacting on mental health in the Philippines. 
You were telling us about the extent of suffering. Raul, can you tell us how the Filipinos are coping? Who do they turn to, first of all? Most Filipinos are falling back on their uh, own families. I also see more of them exercising outdoor. Uh, I see more people uh, jogging. Uh, there's a biking craze here right now. People are, you know, on weekends, they go biking uh, uh, for like 100 kilometers uh, with their friends. Uh, many are also into yoga and meditation. Many have turned to soothing hobbies like gardening and cooking. Uh, but then there's just there's just so much you can do. You know, gyms, bars, and cinemas. Those places, traditional places, where you where you can entertain yourself, where you can forget about your problems. They're still closed, and uh, and and most doctors are not accepting in-person appointments right now. So there's not much help from them uh, either. And what about the government? What kind of support systems do Filipinos have? And uh, has the government actually increased the support? I mean, given how things are harder uh, since COVID epidemic began, do you see more funds being allocated? Are there awareness campaigns, for instance? Mm-hmm. You know, to be fair, the government has too much uh, on their hands already with all the uh, vaccinating, the testing uh, and all that. But the government did roll out an online platform to help those struggling with mental health issues. There's a 24-hour hotline. Uh, they have this mobile app. They have this email services and a website. And health officials have also been trying to convince those uh, spiraling down a rabbit hole to get some help. Uh, they're telling people that there's, there's nothing wrong with uh, asking for help if you think you're having a mental mental health problems. But that's the thing in the Philippines, no? going to a therapist is not institutionalized here. And there's a certain stigma to seeking medication or therapy to uh, dealing with mental health issues. People look at it here as as, as weakness. You know, you're, you're supposed to deal with your own issues, with your own uh, health, mental health issues. Like going to, uh, going to a therapist or taking medication is just a waste of time and money. Uh, that's something that there that has to be overcome, I think, in the long run maybe even after the pandemic, uh, that's something that should be overcome so that, I mean, the problem can be dealt with uh, squarely and more effectively. But uh, as it is right now, it's 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 not viable, I guess. Uh, so this is a long-term solution as far as I'm concerned. But how about the workplaces? In the offices, um, do employers recognize the severity of this problem and are they choosing to address it? Yeah, I think they do. Now you have companies here, large companies like uh, Universal Rupina, uh, one of the country's largest food firms. It's offering their employees free counseling and therapy, as well as online yoga and Zumba sessions. But overall, I think it's just HR asking people, are you okay? Are you coping well working from home? But then beyond that, especially the small and medium companies, they don't have really have the resources to offer assistance to their employees to help them cope with the stress with the depression and all that. So, yeah, I mean, companies are trying, but I don't think it's enough to fix the problem. It's probably a problem with, you know, in their own hands, with their own resources and, you know, probably struggling to survive in this tough economy too. So I think sympathy goes out to them as well. Uh, But we began by talking about your own experience of stress within your home uh, and within your neighborhood. May I ask how you're dealing with it? Do you have a strategy perhaps that you might share with our listeners? Well, uh, to be honest, no, I was good till last night. You know, I had two doses of the Sinovac vaccine. And except for my two teenage sons who are not yet qualified to receive uh, their vaccines, everyone in my household has had at least one dose. So, you know, having the vaccine, it kind of lifts your feeling, gives you some 
uh, amount of confidence, uh, lessens the fear, lessens the anxiety. But then last night, uh, my daughter received a text message that, that she has to get herself tested because an employee at a salon she went to last Saturday tested positive. So this curtain of uncertainty, of gloom, is again descending on my home. But then, you know, we, we just have to, to live with it. And in my case, I just keep myself as healthy as I can. Uh, I run at least 40 kilometers a week, take 15,000 steps a day. Like most Filipinos, I follow quarantine guidelines. I wear two masks, one on top of the other, and a face shield whenever I go out or dine out. You know, but again, there's just so much you can do because of the many unknowns with this virus. In the end, uh, we just hope for the best uh, and pray that it doesn't get you or the people you love. Best wishes, firstly, for your daughter, Raul. And it's good to see that, you know, you, you've worked out a schedule for yourself and you speak of your running and keeping uh, yourself thinking positive and you speak of the health precautions you're taking as well. Those really sound like good steps. And I think those are the kind of steps that many of us out here follow as well. It was good to talk to you, Raul, today. And we learned a lot. And I think there's a lot that our listeners will also empathize with. So thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And that's a wrap for Letter from the Bureau. We hope you've enjoyed it. And if you'd like to read Raoul's column, we have a link in our podcast description box. You will also find there a link to other stories in our Letter from the Bureau series. And don't forget to subscribe to the revamped Asian Insider podcast channel. You can try it out on your favorite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And we will continue to roll out new programs in the months and weeks to come. Thank you. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.